Hi, I'm Tiffany Patlin, host of the Tiffany Talks Health and Wellness Podcast, where I discuss tools, tips, and techniques to heal your mind, body, and soul. I am on a godly mission to heal the world. everybody. Thanks for joining me today for this amazing episode. I have Tim Kelly with me today. He is the founder of Polytope Press and author of Natural Healing Self-Empowerment, Optiflex, Hidden History of Humanity, and multiple novels. He also created a 3D periodic table of the elements, new theory of the origins of species, and was and has written articles on independent homesteads. His company is focused on actualizing every aspect of an optimal civilization. So that is our amazing guest today. And there's a reason why he is actually not on camera. And I'm going to go ahead and let him come on and explain to us as to why. So thank you, Tim, for being here with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I very much appreciate it. Actually, there's multiple reasons why I'm not on camera. The primary one being the downing of a laptop computer that I often use and I've not been able to get it fixed quite yet. So that's reason number one. But number two, we were exploring possibilities for using a smartphone and I actually do not use smartphones because of my health research. So there are a few things I could say on that, but I'll just briefly go over a few of the things that have been uncovered in relation to smartphones. One, it is shown that very rapidly by placing a cell phone close to your body, the waveforms have a negative effect on the body. Two, there is some very disturbing research out there that has gone on for the last several years relating to a substance called graphene oxide. Now, this substance is in certain injections, which we probably shouldn't be talking too much about because that's very controversial but it is also being dumped on us supposedly from the sky. And unfortunately, there are reports of this graphene oxide appearing in food. Now, for people who are curious what that has to do with appearing on a podcast, uh, the graphene oxide interacts with cell phone signals. So if you want, look up videos showing graphene oxide and cell phones, and you will see some very disturbing things. The graphene oxide sort of acts like a living creature and starts moving around. Uh, almost like some kind of being or something like that. And this is part of uh, something that I wish to avoid. I like to stay close to nature. So as an expedient, this is why we're having the setup that we have today. Thank you for that. Um, I had a quick question already about what you just said. Um, I know that there is some type of um, crystal that is actually used in uh, the cell phone. I've also learned that there's a possible element in a specific crystal that or stone that is actually able to block what it is that you're referring to. Does that ring any bells? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, I'm not well versed in that. So that's why I'm bringing it up to see if you know what I'm talking about. 
It does. Uh, it definitely rings bells. So I've been investigating for quite some time all the different ways of blocking negative signals. And unfortunately, a lot of those are somewhat expensive. And I do like to recommend things that I've personally tested. If I had more money, I would be doing more elaborate tests on the blocking mechanisms that are out there. I do think it's going to be possible ultimately. But the other part of optimal civilization is just moving away from the silly versions of technology that we have. For example, um, long ago, but even before the work of the great Nikola Tesla, there was the work of the great Nathan Stubblefield, a Kentucky melon farmer who almost no one has ever heard of. But he was showing us how to have ideal telecommunications, and it was through the earth. If we did that, we would have telecommunication signals passing through the crust of the earth. We would not be interfering with wildlife. If you look at what's gone on with wildlife, and there's a book called uh, The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Furstenberg, I believe. He talked about the introduction of telecommunications in the Isle of Wight, and it destroyed the bee population. And all over the U.S., I mean, these videos are kind of horrible, but there are birds dropping dead from the sky from these signals that are being broadcast. And it's not a small amount of birds. It's a large amount of birds. We should not be broadcasting signals the way that we are. If we conducted them through the earth, we would not be harming wildlife, and we would actually have higher fidelity signals than we have. Stubblefield signals using what... I know science doesn't believe that ether is real, but there are scientists who have proven that it is real. He used basically etheric conduction, and the signals couldn't be more high fidelity than they were. So if we switch to that technology, we wouldn't even be having this discussion about how to work around a stupid technology. Wow, that is fascinating. Thank you. I wrote a lot of this stuff down. I have not heard of Nathan Stubblefield, so I'm glad that you brought that up. I have heard of Nikola Tesla, so I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm going to be doing some digging, some additional research on this and that book, The Invisible Rainbow. So thank you for sharing that. There's a summary of Invisible Rainbow online. So even if you can't read the whole book, if you find that summary, it's really, really good. Awesome. Thank you. Now, I know that you st stumbled on all this. You didn't. You haven't always done this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this kind of started with you looking into global corruptions. Is that correct? In a way, uh, it's been a very long life path. When I was a, a kid, I knew I wanted to be a writer because I loved writing more than any other thing. And then I thought of the series that I wanted to write, and I wrote that. And then when I had troubles with the publishing industry, I had to think, okay, what else can I do? So I ended up creating a three-dimensional periodic table of the elements. And then when that was not accepted into science journals, I had to think about what was going on there. I mean, mm -hmm. if I had the evidence and I had support from 95% of the scientists I had interacted with around the globe, why would it not be published in the journals? That didn't make any sense to me. So that led me into researching global corruption, which then led to the production of a health book when I discovered that tons of information was not being shared with the public in relation to ideal health. And that set me uh, along the trail of global corruption, which affected absolutely every industry. So it, it would affect me trying to put forward a new theory in science. It would affect a teacher trying to teach school. It would teach a doctor trying to teach health. It would affect an architect trying to build an ideal building. And it would definitely affect any engineer trying to put forward an engine that had 100% efficiency. So that's one of the biggest myths that I've run into in my life, and I'm still grappling with it to this day. So many times when I talk to people, they will tell me, no, 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 you have to understand if you have a truly high quality product, you will be rich and everything is going to be fine. And that is not what I have found at all. 
If you read the book Suppressed Inventions and Other Discoveries by Jonathan Eisen, one of the most important books ever written, you will see that the opposite is true. Excellence is generally crushed. What makes people rich is what a production company called itself, aggressive mediocrity. Just think about uh, a car engine. If a car engine has 40% efficiency, you know what that means? You have to keep going back to the gas station to refill your car with gas. If it gets 2,000 miles per gallon, guess what? They're not making as much money off you going back to the gas station to get more gas. So the greatest possible efficiency does not make you rich. It makes you a hunted animal. Read the book. Read the book by Jonathan Eisen, and you will see that the greatest innovators of all time in all fields were not getting celebrated. They were not getting rich. They were getting crushed, murdered, bought off, bribed. You name it. It is not a picnic if you choose a life of excellence. Wow. I know. I just know a little tiny bit of what you're saying, but I, I know that that to be true. So I love that you're kind of just blowing this out of the water because this is this is really important. And I know that there's a lot of people that I think would say, use that term conspiracy theorist, but until people actually do the research for themselves and see the truth for what it is, you can't, you, you can say that all you want, but it just doesn't make things untrue. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, you're coming on to share, you know, a lot of truth. People need to start asking those bigger questions. Why? Like you did, like, why are they not accepting my periodic table when you have plenty of research to back it up? Why? That deserves an answer. Um, and you found it. And I agree wholeheartedly with you with what you're saying. Um, I know you also got into really deep with um, har living har in harmony with nature. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, there's so much that can be said on this. But um, I was just going over this in the forward to my latest book, The Math Wizard, which will hopefully be released pretty soon. But at the very beginning, it talks about two paths in history that are exemplified by two great historical figures. The first is the first philosopher, whose name was Thales. And the second path was that of Plato. Now, what's interesting about these two great Greek philosophers is that not only did they represent two divergent paths, but they were both mystery school initiates. And the mystery schools are significant because they go back to Atlantis, and that's a very huge topic uh, to get into. But let's just talk about the two paths of these two men. Thales suggested that for the ideal life, you should study nature closely, understand her patterns, and harmonize with them. Plato suggested pretty much the opposite. You spurn nature. Nature is ugly, messy. Turn away from it. Stay inside your pristine imagination and everything will be pure and wonderful. To this day, almost all scientists and mathematicians pride themselves on being part of the platonic tradition. What I do, and I drill this home with more force than I could ever dream in the math wizard, is champion the way of Thales. No, it's better to study reality. Reality is not as ugly as people think it is. It really is not. If you study it in depth, you will see more beauty than the human imagination is even capable of coming up with. And just because you stay in your imagination, that doesn't make everything pure and perfect. Imagination can create fantasy. It can also create horrors and monsters. Nature tends not to do that when it's in its primordial state. And when you see that, you begin to look at all of life differently, and you begin to understand that a lot of the things that people look at in nature and call ugly are not the result of nature. They're a result of conscious decisions to be negative. Let's just mm -hmm. talk a little bit about trees, for example. Now, 
Sometimes when I mention how wonderful nature is, people will point to what they call natural disasters. They'll point out tornadoes, hurricanes, volcanoes, earthquakes. Say, how could you possibly like nature when nature does things like that? And I say, in reply, you have to understand the true origins of what you're calling natural disasters. In many cases, and this is fringe science, but it's still out there, there are gradients that are created when you have a lot of trees. There are gradients of moisture, of ions, and of ether. So when you have a lot of trees, they stabilize the environment. Now, if you as a human come along and say that profit is the only goal that matters to you, and you just mow down forest after forest after forest, you have just destabilized all of nature's natural gradients. As a result, you get a wide array of so-called natural disasters. At its low level, it starts off with mudslides, landslides, floods, forest fires. And this is, these are basically the direct consequences of greedy deforestation. And if you keep going, you end up with hurricanes and you can end up with volcanoes and earthquakes. Now, this has been proven by people who demonstrate uh, one of the greatest authors on this is the brilliant Christopher Dunn, who wrote a book called The Giza Power Plant. In that, he talks about how great pyramids could possibly have prevented volcanoes and earthquakes by creating stable natural flows in the environment. So with disease, we see something similar. This goes back to the 1800s and the origins of disease. Now, for most people, they're going to focus on the work of Louis Pasteur, who in the late 1800s gave us the germ theory of disease. But he had a rival whose name was Antoine Béchamp, and he had a counter theory to the germ theory of disease. This is the terrain theory of disease. Basically, the way that works is you summon disease into your body. You conjure it by creating an environment of disharmony with nature. You do this through your food choices. Now, Weston Price wrote a whole book on this, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, laying out the basics of it. So basically, it's whenever you refine foods. Now, when you refine foods, it sounds wonderful. Oh, I'm so refined. But basically, you've stripped the nature out of the food. You have unnatural refined sugar, refined salt, refined flour, refined rice. You put things in cans so that the aluminum leaks into the food. You mentioned before that you had seen the, the documentary Food, Inc. I mean, it's pretty horrible out there with all the things that are they're doing to nature that get reflected back on us. Now, in that documentary, you saw how they were feeding all these animals unnatural foods, like this yeah. crazy corn that's going into everything. And I just saw yet another headline not that long ago about an outbreak of what, whatever it was, uh, some of these common food diseases that come out. But as that documentary we were showing, a lot of the times that's coming out because the animals are not being fed well. Everything that we do to nature, the way that we treat every animal, the way that we feed it, the way that we water it, then we slaughter it and eat it, well, that negativity goes right into us and it warps us. So when you complain about your body, you, oh, I wish I was more beautiful or I wish I wasn't so sick, well, if you gain harmony with nature, nature was always on your side, always wanted you to succeed. Every human being has overlaid their physical body in aura. It's their energy in perfect form. Okay, now if you don't look like your perfect energy form that is overlaid over top of you, it's because of the conscious decisions that you made through food or unfortunately, if you're in an environment where you're being involuntarily contaminated with pollution, maybe from the sky or the soil or the water, that kind of thing can also deteriorate your physical form as well. 
but it is not the fault of nature. Uh, once again, I agree wholeheartedly with you. You know, the first thing that popped into my head was when you said that if you're in an environment and when if you are in an environment, uh, like the first thing that popped into my head was the military, because I have a brother who's in the army. They're forced to get vaccinated. Um, they're forced to eat food in cans. You know, it they're they're not being fed the best to their ability that they should be fed, in my opinion. Um, so that was the first thing that popped into my head. And I, I'm sure there's other, you know, groups of people that aren't coming to my mind right now where they're being fed this kind of stuff. But I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, I feel like man keeps um, corrupting our food source, thinking that they're making it better. But I think that the underlying um, reason is for profit just like what you were talking about prior about inventions. It's all for profit. It's all for money. It's not, has nothing to do with what's best for humanity and nature or none of that. And it's really, it's really, really disheartening. Um, and not very many people know about what you're talking about. I don't even know nearly as much as you do just from what you've spoken of, but I know I've touched the surface, scratched the surface. So that's why I'm like in agreement with a lot of things that you're saying. Um, Unfortunately, I do think it's actually more sinister than that. I sometimes I usually stop at the profit motive because <laughs> the profit motive is something that people can't understand. And yeah. when I get into the actual motives, it's just so dark and hard for people to process. They don't even want, want to understand what's going on. But I will say that when you mention things like the, the military, that's one of the other aspects of this that really highlights the role of responsibility and leadership because what we found with the work of Weston Price was not only were bodies being physically formed perfectly when maintained in harmony with nature, but he also saw the elimination of crime. And what is war? It is one of the highest forms of crime. And it comes from a perception that there's a scarcity of resources. So, and I want to stress this point um, for multiple reasons. One, there was the Wisconsin school study, uh, which unfortunately has been, I think, scrubbed from the internet because I had a link to it in my earlier book. And then when I was checking my links, I found that link had gone dead. And now there's only some crazy study about rats in Wisconsin. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody really went to great pains to remove this study. But if you can find it, there was a study that was done in Appleton, Wisconsin with junk food. And so there was a school that had all the negatives you could imagine. There was violence. There was teen pregnancy. There was people who had very low grades, uh, suicide. Uh, crime, people beating each other up. They changed out all the junk food and put in healthy food. All the negative behavior vanished. Okay. So that right there is something that should have keyed people into what was going on. Now it didn't stop there because I also have a link. Hopefully this one hasn't gone dead either, but there was a, a UK prison study and it was studying recidivism. And that's a fancy word for whether or not people go back to a life of crime after they're released. So what they found is they, they didn't experiment where one wing of the prison had healthy food and the other wing did not. And the wing that had healthy food saw a drop in recidivism of 26%. So as we talk about militaries, oh yes, you know, we have to have people who are really to, ready to just go shoot and blow the smithereens, whoever we say is our enemy. Okay, that's you can have that outlook if you wish. But why is it that the great pioneers like Weston Price and all the other people in that same evidence chain, and I could go through a lot of them, Every time they showed us how we could live in harmony and be healthy and become nonviolent, why is it 
their voices were always silenced. Is war really that important to you? If you're going to take war seriously, I say you have to take peace seriously. And if you're going to take peace seriously, then you're going to have to provide healthy water and you're going to have to provide healthy food to everybody. You show me one city in the United States that fully understands healthy water and healthy food, and then we can have a discussion about how necessary war is. But if you're going to keep touting war and you don't even care about the water and the food that you're giving to your people, how serious are you? about defending your country. Boom, mic drop right there. <laughs> when you were talking about the other thing that popped up for me is I was recently reading an article on PubMed about how the different colors and food coloring and just your typical everyday children's snacks. I make sure I don't feed my children these things because I understand how damaging it is. But they were talking about how it increases, um, I forget the word, um, hyperactivity in children. So it's kind of in alignment with what you're saying um, that children who don't eat that are more, you know, well-mannered. They're not as crazy. They have natural energy, but they're not hyperactive. And I feel like I can see this with my own eyes in groups of children that are given candy and these types of snacks with all of these, you know, horrific food colorings in them. They're toxic. And I can see them overreacting normally different than what they would if they weren't fed that stuff. So I am a hundred percent against that. And that's just something else that, you know, is just, it's everywhere. And what bothers me the most is that they're targeting our children and they're supposed to be protected. And I don't think that they're being protected. I think everybody's being lied to. And that's why it's so important for us to do our due diligence and research and learn and ask those big questions and not be afraid of what we're going to find because we all deserve to know the truth. Um, no, no doubt about it. Uh, the, the food coloring does, definitely has that negative effect. I've seen plenty of kids with the ADHD. That was one of the early stages of my health research where we found that if we got kids on plant-derived colloidal minerals, that their behavior changed. Uh, there was one mother who had a son, just as you described. And one of the tests for this actually was designed by Dr. Joel Wallach, who noted deviant animal behavior. Uh, he worked on farms working with animals as a veterinarian, and animals would exhibit crazy, crazy behavior when they didn't have minerals. They would start eating paint chips, they'd start eating posts, whatever. And human beings are the same way. Don't give them sufficient minerals, their behavior is going to be deviant. So some people will look at the behavior of a child and say, oh, that's just genetic. Well, how do you know? Uh, have you changed the nutrition of your child and watched how their behavior changes? So if you get people more in harmony with nature, their behavior will change for the better. And those uh, food additives and the, the coloring and stuff like that, that definitely has a negative effect. So one of the tests was a coloring book. So they would have kids color a coloring book, and then they would give them a bunch of sugar and, and have them color again. And most of the time they couldn't stay inside the lines because they're hands were jerking and so erratic and it was an easy test. So again, you could just do that. And the other part of this that I want to stress as the positive part of all of this is you have an option. I mean, you can trust every authority out there who's telling you, yeah, just keep building down the refined sugar, or you can take some research into your hands, learn more about natural foods, do what Max Gerson did when he started his research. He was suffering from headaches. He wanted to know how to get rid of his headaches. He said, Hmm, I wonder what would happen if I eat natural foods instead of processed foods. So he ate natural foods and his migraines disappeared. And then somebody had lupus and migraines. And so they ate natural foods and then their lupus and their migraines disappeared. And then after that, he was curing cancer. And then he testified before Congress that he could indeed get rid of cancer through eating natural foods. 
Yes, the Gerson therapy. I love them. They're actually out in um, Mexico, I learned, because they're illegal. His practice is illegal here in the U.S., which is very telling. It's like, I wonder why. Why? Because there's no money in healing. They won't be a return client. There's no prescriptions to keep continue filling. (laughs) You would actually be healed. You would actually be healthy and yeah, I'm I'm trying to be mindful of saying too much myself. <laughs> I know. And it, see, for the most. Uh-oh, looks like we lost him. We'll wait for him to come back on and I'll let him on. Um, but wow, the things that he is talking about, if you don't know um, some of these things that we're referring to, I highly encourage you to research because this is very important. Your very health is at risk. Your children's health is at risk. Just think about how much, how many things are happening in the world from, from being um, where women are no longer able to have children, they're becoming infertile, about how, um, you know, the mental health is on the rise, um, things like that. Are you back with us, Tim? I am. I am. I was now. just talking. Yes, I can. I was just talking more about how it's just so important for everybody to do their due diligence and research because just looking at you know health like um the infertility rates and um you know the mental health on the rise and what have you and it's all from just you know eating this crap. Right. So uh, again, I was going to say in relation to what the negative forces in the world are doing, we can complain about what they do to one another when we get frustrated. But if we promptly go to the store and we buy everything that the negative people that we hate are offering us, we're making them stronger. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to move away from the people who are giving us the things that we don't want. You know, turn to nature. Uh, try to figure out what's going on with a garden. Try to figure out ways of exercise that don't necessarily make certain negative people rich. Try to find out means of educating your children that aren't necessarily putting them in a system where they're going to Learn some very strange things these days in school. Oh, you mean like how uh, Christopher Columbus <laughs> discovered America? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. There's a great deal we could go on. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I'm, I mean, you are a wealth of knowledge. Um, but I did also want to tell you, there's so many things. I know there's um, now you can grow your baby talking about fake meat. Um, so much stuff. Um, you want to spend like a couple minutes on this thing about growing your own baby? Right. So now the forces who are directing the world are basically seeing what the toleration level of the public is. Uh, they will go as far away from nature as they possibly can, uh, provided on how much you cooperate with them. They will turn human beings into machines. They will create artificial breast milk. They will create artificial meat because they control it. They patent it. They get rich off of it. It has the wrong amino acid profile. It's not going to make you healthy. It's going to destroy you. The fats will go into your body and they will wreck your hormones. They will create artificial wombs. So eventually it will reach a point where males and females cannot conceive on their own. They'll have to pretty much go to some corporation and then they will have some artificial thing grown in an artificial womb. And then you'll have an artificial baby that maybe has black eyes and can walk and two weeks or something like that. And if this is the path that you want to stay on, you're welcome to stay in it. All all I'm saying is that we human beings are special. And I think 
there's a lot that we can do, but we are going to lose ourselves if we stay on this path. We are not going to be human anymore. We're going to be something that's non-human. There are even people right now who are saying that if you've had certain objections, you're no longer you. You are corporate property. You are patented because you have their patented stuff going through your body so they can pretty much do whatever they want to do to you. If you want to stay on that path, stay on it, but just be aware of the path that you're walking down. Nature is here. Nature works all the time. She works in harmony. She has solutions to every problem. Learn how nature works. Find those answers. I think you will be a much happier person. I agree with you. And um, I feel like we're unfortunately already on that path. Um, I know there's that company CloneAid and they're in Canada. And I think I think it's already happening. And I don't even know at the rate that it's already happening, but I think it's, it, I'd be too naive to think that it wasn't further along than what I'm thinking. You know, I just, it's, it's creepy. It, it's very scary. It's um, worrisome. And, you know, I just pray for this world that, you know, people will start to wake up and start learning. Um, just as much as nutritional health is so important, so is fitness kind of, I think you kind of touched on that. Like even just by sitting in school, uh, people are being expected to sit in an office under a fluorescent light for eight hours. You know what, what you get, maybe a 15 minute break here and there, but that's not, that's also, you know, detrimental to our health. The stagnant body will promote disease as well. Kind of like you mentioned it, you have a choice. People think that they don't have a choice, but I think we're just conditioned to believe that it's time to break out of the mold out of what it is that they want you to believe because there's a much bigger life out there. The world is much bigger and more beautiful and full of everything that we need than people realize. All the solutions I've found in all aspects of existence are at my website. And so I encourage people to visit, take a look around, let me know what you think. But again, I'm offering solutions across the board for an optimal civilization. There is a way out of all this, but we do need a lot of people to start changing the way that they think if we want humanity to last. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, what is something that you can share with our audience today that you feel would benefit them before we leave here today? Hmm. There's an awful lot there, but I, I think uh, one of the most basic ideas is, is the one that I will stick with. Um, and this, these come from the late, great Victor Schauberger. Uh, I hope that people will look into his work, but he had two key pieces of advice for how to go through life. Uh, the first one, comprehend and imitate nature. Mm. Throughout all of history, from ancient times to the present, the worst figures of all history shared something in common. And you can find this thread through all of them. They talked about conquering nature. Conquering nature is like trying to conquer your own mother. It's never going to end well. Okay. So, do not try to conquer nature. Try to harmonize with nature. Keith Schauberger's first piece of advice, comprehend and imitate nature. If you do that in every aspect of your life, things will work out well. And the second piece of advice of Schauberger was this, think an octave higher. So one of the things that I would say in relation to that, when I was younger, I used to view everything in life as a fight. I thought everything in life was a war. But eventually, as I grew older, I realized it's better to transcend than to fight. And so when you think of the obstacles that you're facing, try to find a way to rise above them so you don't have to fight. 
I love that. Thank you so much. It was truly an honor to have you on today. And like I said, I know we could probably talk for hours. You are a wealth of knowledge. And um, his website's down at the bottom. It'll also be in the description box. So I highly encourage you guys to go check out his website, his books, and everything. You want to delve into this. This is very beneficial to you. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us today. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take care now. Bye. Yeah.